Hi there. This is Ilona Salke here on Quantum Living Life, and I have a wonderful guest tonight here with me for this first premiere podcast, and it's Don Paris. Don Paris, are you on the line? Yes. Hello, everybody. Hi there. I am so very excited to introduce you to the audience because you've not only written books and taught about uh, radionics and how to affect time-space through consciousness with an interactive machine, right? It's like a time travel machine, or? Well, you can have some effect on time, but I wouldn't quite call it a time machine like in, in the H.G. Wells movie or something like that. But, um, but in essence, there are some things you can do with time um, to reorient your reality around you. Okay, so in your book, Regaining Wholeness Through the Subtle Dimensions, where science meets magic, you in essence describe something, in essence describe something I would have called a time travel machine, but what, uh, what does it do and what do you talk about in your book? Well, the SE5 is a, an instrument that analyzes and balances subtle energy fields, and subtle energy fields are the basis of reality. We think of reality as, as being manifest or physical as something, but realistically, we all know from quantum physics and even standard physics that, that everything is energy. And even before that, it's information that is organizing all of this energy. So with the SE5, we can analyze what's going on at the information level even before the energy comes into manifestation and then change that information slightly. And then it has an effect in the manifestation level of what we would think of as reality. So you're not talking woo-woo, there is uh, information, then there is the energy, woo-woo energy, and then there is matter. You're actually in your book referring to Maxwell's formula who discovered or described informational fields, which then were taken out of standard scientific literature or uh, formulas to calculate reality. Can you tell us a little bit about that so that the listener understands that this is founded in science and that science actually itself says we have informational fields that precede energy. Yeah. Um, what Maxwell was attempting to do was in, in a mathematical formula is to describe what Tesla was working with or what we call scalar electromagnetics where basically the electromagnetic spectrum is collapsed and the only thing that's left over is the information or the pre-energy level of, we call, sometimes call it a scalar field or, or an informational field. And in my book, I refer to them as intrinsic data fields because these, these packets of data are, are what basically put together enough... Um, force to create what we would refer to as energy. So this force is, is more like a gravitational wave or uh, it's not even like a wave, but it's like a force that, that compacts informational fields into something usable like energy. So we think of energy as being light or electromagnetics or sound even has energy. But on so you're saying, 
So you're saying, and Maxwell said, and Tesla also, that information precedes energy. Correct. And it's, and it's causative. It's pre-existent, and it also causes energy to come into existence. Yeah, and it's very usable. It's very usable. But it's, it's, mathematically, it's a little bit challenging to deal with, when you're, especially when you're working with electromagnetic waves, because electromagnetic waves have varying aspects to them already. We've got the, the amplitude. We've got the, the direction of the flow, positive to negative. And we've got both magnetic and electricity running in one, in one stream. And so it was already difficult enough to deal with. So after Maxwell died, uh, there was a lot of discussion in the scientific papers of whether we needed this extra component, which we would call the scalar component or this informational component in the formula. And after a lot of discussion back and forth, uh, they decided that it was not necessary. And so they took it out of the formula. So it has not been taught in uh, normal electromagnetic theory for, well, since after Maxwell died, so last hundred years or so. So are you then saying light and light is not the same? I mean, there may be one light that has some information on it that's different than another light that has different information on or inside of it, or however you can imagine this to, <laughs> to work? Well, absolutely. For example, we'll just give a couple different examples. Um, Let's say you tune your radio station to. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so to be continued. So this is the second portion. We just had a little break here. And you uh, were just explaining to us the nature of how different a radio station is if you tune in and how informational field is different on different light wave currents. Yeah, and in this example, I was using an, an FM radio uh, frequency. But... Um, but yeah, it could also be on light, and uh, you can actually encode light with different uh, informational levels. Um, for example, uh, another very simple example would be a, a CD. Everybody knows what a CD is. A laser light is encoding or decoding uh, totally different information with the same with the same light wave, and we think of information as something that has meaning and, and the basis of that now in quantum physics, they're, they're getting to the, to the ground level of information being the basis for construction of the atoms or the subatomic particles. The informational fields are the basis and then comes the, the energy waves. Well, you know, before I get drifting here, uh, can you give me some tangible results or some things that you can tell me you've done with this? Like, let's say you've, you've been able to transport information at a distance. And, you know, I have read your book and I've lived uh, 20, 35 years studying this myself. So um, we've obviously seen a million miracles, but can you give our listeners a, an insight into how this is applicable, maybe interesting for their own life? 
Okay. Well, for example, um, let's talk about energetic compatibility. Now, we all know that, that some energies attract each other and some energies repel each other. And let's talk about it in the case of relationships or people. So we have different ways of relating to people. And I'll think about it or talk about it in the sense of, of the chakras, the seven different chakras. So let's say two people meet and they have a very strong sexual attraction. So that's the second chakra. And that might be very harmonious, which is creating an attraction between the two people. But let's say that the heart level is somewhat repelling. And, you know, we've all seen the examples of people where they're, they, they don't really feel like they're in love, but they're very attracted and they're very hot with each other. And so these types of uh, energies are either amplifying or they're negating. And that ha that's true for every one of the chakras. Now, with once you can use, for example, the SE5 to analyze, you can find out before the two people even meet which levels they're going to be compatible on and which levels they're going to be repelling on or neutral. There's basically three different possibilities. So, How can you access that information? Well, we use, um, usually we use like a DNA sample, like a hair sample, for example, or we actually can use a photograph. If the photograph is done properly, we can use a photograph and put it inside the instrument or connect it up through the computer and access that link. It, the, we don't read the hair and we... Okay, so Don Perez is giving us a description of informational fields being able to be read at a distance as well as being affected at a distance. And if you want to read more about the technical background and or stories of what has been done, for example, growing uh, food or plants uh, living longer or acid rain damaged trees being uh, healed, so to speak. Uh, read his book, Regaining Wholeness Through the Subtle Dimensions, and you can get the book for free as an ebook from his website, which is www.s like subtle, e like energy, dash five, like the number five. So Go ahead and uh, get that book while I get him back on the line. Okay. Hi, Don. There you are again. I just told everybody to get your book. Uh, the book, uh, Regaining Wholeness Through the Subtle Dimensions. And they can get it from your website, se-5.com, Subtle Energy, se-5.com. Tell us, uh, what are some of the applications you were saying yes you can read things and uh, have compatibility studies let's say chakras you need a dna sample from a person or something living like a picture if it's done in the right way or a sample of the person and then you can get the information from the person and even when they're not physically there correct that's correct and it doesn't have to be a person it could be an animal for example I had one practitioner who had lost her dog when she was out camping and uh, he ran off and she couldn't find him. And so she went home to get her SE5 because she knew that she could 
kind of like do map dowsing to find out where he was. And she had a photograph of him. And so she put it in the SE5 and it moved around for quite a while. And in the area where she had been, she was like a hundred miles away from, from when she went home and then it stabilized in one place. So she got in her car and drove back a hundred miles and kept checking to see. And sure enough, it was staying in the same place. And she drove up and it was like a dog kennel. And she's going, oh, this is great. Of course, my dog's going to be here. So she walks in and she says, has a picture of her dog and says, is my dog here? Where is he? And the guy says, oh, no, I've never seen that dog before. Don't know. She went out to her car and she's checking and she's going, wow, that's strange because it says it's right here. And then she looked and she could see just a little crack through the building. The guy was taking her dog around the back to try and hide it and because uh, he wanted to keep it. It was a beautiful purebred German Shepherd. So she ran over and said, that's my dog. And she got her dog back. Oh. But, <laughs> so when you said she read it, can you walk our listeners through how that can be done long distance? And you also mentioned that uh, the same experiment was done with some astronauts going to the moon. Yeah, um, well, basically, you need a photograph or, or, like I said, a DNA sample. You put it inside the instrument, and we have a way to call up different um, informational fields. For example, uh, let's say the heart rate. How fast is the heart running, like they did with the, in the Apollo 11 mission? Um, Galen Hieronymus got a photo of one of the astronauts, and he measured the vital signs of the astronaut every hour on the hour from as he traveled from here to the moon. But what did he have? Did he have, uh, he, he didn't have him hooked up to anything. He only had uh, a picture of a him. Photograph, correct. Photograph of the astronaut. So he's sitting down here on earth with a photograph of the astronaut and then took the readings every hour on the hour, checked, okay, how, how fast is his heart and how is his breathing? And then he made a 500 page report and he sent it to NASA and it matched all the readings they were taking physically on the spacecraft hour by hour, all the way to the moon. Ah, so tell us about the forest, uh, the acid rain damaged forest uh, that was uh, paid for by German government, I believe, to deacidify de the forest using yeah, this there, instrumentation. There was an institute in, in uh, Cologne, Germany that had 19 of SE5s of our instruments. And so they were working on acid-damaged forests, not only in Germany, but as far away as South Africa, um, and by remote. And so they actually had wonderful results, as well as they did uh, follow-up studies to find out, okay, control studies, how did this tree do that, do that didn't get treated versus the trees that they did balance? And So double-blind studies, so to speak. Well, control study, not quite a control double blind. Study. Okay, yeah. control studies. Okay, so with and without treatment. Okay, gotcha. And the ones that uh, that did not get any type of balancing uh, lost more and more leaves over the three year period, whereas the ones that they had been balancing uh, gained more and more leaves. And they were able to do that with a light meter by going underneath of the tree to see how much light was filtering through. So and you less said. Light the treatment itself could be done long distance. Yeah, they did it like 50 kilometers away um, on those particular control ones, but they did them as far away as, as uh, all the way from Germany all the way down to South Africa. 
and had so, great results. So they have a picture of the forest? They were using a sample. Uh, in this case, they were using a larger area. Um, generally, we like to use a uh, like an aerial photograph when you're doing a large area. And now with the, the little drones, it's a lot easier to get an aerial photograph of an area that you want to uh, use. Um, but they were and, doing and it with, they had developed their own special method of, of uh, Okay, so creating. let's just say they have a, a sample, a, you know, a map or a picture or something. And then what do they do? Then they tune into that area with specific, um, we call them tunings or informational fields which are in, stored in the computer. For example, let's talk about uh, nitrogen in the soil. So we have a tuning for- <laughs>